Welcome to another special treat slash bonus edition of 100 Words, the podcast of, I don't know, someone jumped into my voice and decided to make a very weird accent. I've never done that before. I apologize. But that's why this is a bonus episode because it costs you zero dollars. Well, technically all of these cost you zero dollars, but this one is very special in particular to me. Uh, I just broke a pen cap and that sucks, but we'll move on. Dave Anthony, for those of you that pay attention to the show regularly, he is a contributor. We talk about records occasionally and he is a great guy. So I was in the same room as him maybe about a month or so ago. I was like, you deserve your own thing. I wanted to record an interview with him centered around the idea of journalism because I think so many people find the idea of journalism very fascinating. I know myself, I did and I do currently because obviously that's what this podcast experiment is. It's a form of journalism. So I wanted to track Dave's experience personally and kind of, you know, give you an insight as to what it takes in order to, you know, build a career from that perspective. And then, uh, you know, all the different sidesteps you must take and all the uh, different avenues in which you learn how to express yourself. So Dave, for those of you that don't pay attention to all the episodes and have never heard of him before, is a, I think, digital manager over at the avclub.com, which is one of the best pop culture hubs on the internet. And uh, he does a lot of great writing, does everything he can to expose people to cool stuff of all shapes and sizes. And his writing is great. He is my friend now met through the podcast and now he's my friend and I feel feel good about that because that's that's kind of what this thing is supposed to do. It's supposed to bring people together and kind of make you more endeared to not only the art that they are creating, but the writing that they are doing as well. So here's my discussion with Dave and I hope you enjoy it. I thought it would be interesting to obviously discuss like we were talking about in the walk over here where people aren't like everyone enjoys writing about music and like or either reading it or trying to perform it themselves mm -hmm. like and but it's such a mythical thing like i remember when i first started to do like freelance writing it was just for like you know friend zines that you know had some notoriety like whatever like i remember the first magazine like status magazine it was based yeah. on a thousand oaks and he did like it was you know whatever 20 ish 20,000 or so circulation but it was the only reason i got it was because he was my friend and he was like sure you'll write some reviews but so but i know your your history is like you did zines yourself and so yeah kind of walk me through like you know did you ultimately be like i want to write about music that's my life goal. um well yeah kind of okay like it's 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 been a strange goal it's it was never I guess to give the full story, like when yeah. I was a kid, I was really into music. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I was, I got, I was really young when I got into independent music. Okay, luckily, like I kind of had just a very supportive family and support system, where I would go to the record store with my mom and one of my uncles. There was this on the south side of Chicago. There's this mm -hmm. town called Hegwish, and there's a place called Hegwish Records. And we would go there, and we would like walk through the store, and they'd be like, "All right, you can pick out one thing," and and you know, whatever it was. So yeah. as a kid, like I was buying like comedy albums and shit. Yeah. Um, and, and they were really, I was like four years old. And I was like, I want this Chris Rock CD and they just buy it. <laughs> uh, there's really not a filter there, which sounds like negligent parenting, I guess. Right. But like, it's not that they weren't telling me no to things. Like uh -huh. they kind of wanted me to understand what was going on. And like my family structure was like, my mom was really into, and is still really into stuff like, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, that that kind of sure. She likes American bands, America, yeah, <laughs> um, Americana, right, right. Which I love too, and, and and by transitive property, like I've taken her to see 
this is years ago now, like Gaslight Anthem and like see, see Tim Barry and Chuck Reagan. Like, she, oh, right. So she, she gets that? Yeah. So she was into wow. that. Like, um, she really likes Against Me, but only up to the crime EP. That's it. That's all she likes. <laughs> That's amazing. I remember like turning around to that, which is funny because my mom works for the U.S. Marshal Service and she's listening to like this anarchist folk clunk band. And when New Wave came out, she, yeah. I was in my bedroom. She's like, I heard an Against Me song on the radio. And I was like, oh, yeah. What'd you think? She's like, what happened to them? Yeah. I was like, well, that's funny that you're the person who has this opinion, mom. Right, exactly. Uh, but but she was into that. Um, my grandparents on my mom's side were all into old country, you know, Patsy Cline, Johnny Cash, uh-huh. you know, original Hank Williams, all that. And so I do have an appreciation for that. And then my two uncles, uh, my Uncle Brian was really into like a lot of like bluesy stuff. He liked your Stevie Ray Vaughan's and whatever, but okay. he also was into the, the original punk stuff like the Ramones, Clash, some Social sure. Distortion, uh, you know, some rockabilly stuff. Okay. My other uncle was like into like proto metal. Okay. Like bu- uh like Gong and Budgie and Oh yeah. And like <laughs> sure, sure. Zappa and right. Black Sabbath. So like he was I kind of had this entire world informing my view of like there's a ton of stuff out here. I just need to figure out what my thing is. So right. you know, when I was young, like they would buy me like comedy CDs or like Simpson soundtrack or something, but yeah. I remember like, the first record I bought that was like, like I remember being driven to kindergarten uh-huh. and my mom was playing Green Day's Dookie, so like punk rock was there. Wow, for me already. Yeah, you know they they didn't really put much barriers on stuff. Like my mom liked good songs uh-huh. and like maybe not always an entire album, but because of that, you know she had weird stuff around. She had some like Metallica records, so like I had this weird. Yeah, you could. It's, it was easy accessible. Yeah, it was there, so like it, it never felt off limits. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first record I really vividly remember getting that oh this is not as polished was um, Maniacal After by the Bouncing Souls. I saw that cover because uh-huh. that's how I was like. Fucking seven. Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It's co- cover art is so yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like I saw that and I was like, what? And like flipped it over and it's just like them looking grimy and like yeah. the song is a song about BMX. I was like, all right, I think I might be into this. Yeah. 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 And I brought it home and I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, and shortly thereafter, you know, they, like they were really into just like allowing me to, you know, pick out whatever, you know, buying me CDs, records, here, sure. you know, kept supporting your habit once a week. Right. And then, you know, as I started getting more interested in it, like my mom would take me to shows, you know, like happily. Would she, she like drop you off at places or she would like, actually- no, she would, she would do the stand in the back of the venue as I'm like excited about whatever and her just like absorbing, yeah. you know, like having to watch like Blink-182 in the late nineties. Right. Right. But it all kind of changed. Like I saw Alkaline Trio, like in like some record store and like, 99 or 2000, that was it. Like, it was the first band I saw playing on a floor, and, you know, they were, like, somewhat local. I was in northwest Indiana. Uh-huh. So, like, for for the listener. Yes. Uh, where I'm at, northwest Indiana originally, like, you could have one foot in Indiana, one foot in Chicago. Right. Like, we butted up against the most southern part of Chicago. Sure. Like, you know, the the Ford plant and the factories and, like, mm-hmm. you know, there were neighborhoods. But, you know, it was a more working class right. version. So I was like, Oh man, like you can play in a floor, you can just make music, you can be from here and it's whatever. Right. And uh so I got th- that changed everything. Yeah, I was yeah. like they're on Asian Man, so I just started mail ordering stuff from Asian Man. Right. Like mail ordering like like trio shirts, their other records which there were like two at the time. Right, right. And uh then being like, "Oh, like who are the Broadways? Who are like and, and yeah. Uh then 
you know, just kind of seeing who these bands would tour with, liner notes that turned me on to like how our music, no idea records, which is a whole nother world. Right. Because especially then that label was so diverse, you know, mm-hmm. I could buy this kind of like heavy post hardcore quasi emo thing from hot water music yep. and then get like a ska record or totally, you know, and they like, were so prolific. It was like, you you can count on like seven records a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like from bands all across the world, yeah, stuff by like Fifth Hour Hero from Canada, who were fantastic. Or totally. Like, and then that's what got me into or like exposed me to way more extreme stuff. Like because you know they had the ties to bands like a suck. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. so I got into you know grindy shit, and yeah. that turned me on to Charles Bronson. And sure, and you're it, like, oh, that was in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So like. And then I just, that's all I cared about was uh-huh. like, all I wanted to do was play music and, and got into playing music and have never been in a band anyone's given a shit about, which has right. been great right, right. because there's, cause I, it's helped your writing. Yeah. It's, it's helped my writing because I have, I have the experience, but like none of the baggage. Right. Like I can be like, yeah, I was in a band that like played a show to three people and no one's going to be like, oh, they weren't actually that good. Right. Um, right. but you know, that's all I wanted to do. So I was just playing in bands and I always enjoyed writing as a kid mm-hmm. and, and people were like, Oh, you, you're good at it. And I still don't believe that when people tell me that now, yeah, I still it, don't personally believe it because it's, I know the process. Sure. But, but the turning point came, I was maybe like 11 or 12. And I remember being at a record store mm-hmm. and buying a copy of punk planet. Oh yeah. And that changed everything. Mm-hmm. Um, this is weird because I've taken in college. I took a class with Dan Sinker, who founded that magazine. Oh wow! And like we've kept in touch, and he's a really nice dude, and like a really smart, you know, really sharp. Now really involved in the tech world and, and just you know different fellowships and things. But uh, mm-hmm. I, that was the first time I realized truly that it was like this is more than music, like sure. punk rock, hardcore, whatever. Yep, it's a thing that informs all of your behaviors. Sure, you know, I bought a, a magazine. It was called Punk Planet that had a cover story about the Iraq war. Right. Where like the Iraq war was getting a six page spread and against me was like a little, you know, like maybe inch in diameter name, uh-huh. like up in the header. Right. You know, like it, it there's, was, there's, yeah, it's like you could have a cultural discourse centered on the, the way that you view the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And like from that point, like that was, you know, like I was always into zines and stuff. Like, uh-huh. you know, I was aware of MRR and sure. Uh, you know, other yeah, you just stuff. start to see it on the racks in your record stores, and you're kind of like, "What is that?" Yeah, and um, so like I started getting punk planet because for the longest time, they had that rule of like, "Whatever you send us, we'll review." Right. So the back half of that magazine would be 50 pages of reviews, and right. I would read every one. Yeah, like before. I mean, there was an internet then, yeah. but I. That was how I found stuff. Like, you know, I was coming to it in the late 90s of like mail ordering stuff, concealing cash, crossing my fingers, waiting two and a half months and getting something. <laughs> right. So this exposed a whole nother world of like, oh my God, like at the time I wasn't really, you know, searching out stuff online and, and streaming and, and downloading. I was, you know. Right. It was the early 2000s. So I was just like reading and then being like, this band sounds amazing. And I'm like, Figuring out how to mail order. Totally, totally. You know, like finding the catalog, printing something from the internet. Like, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. You know, didn't have a fucking PayPal account. Yeah. Didn't yeah have a no, job. No, right. Like, right. I, I just had the good faith of the people around me to support me. Right. You know, and um, Hung Planet was the thing where it kind of it snapped on mm-hmm. for the first time of like, you can have this ideology and do something with it 
because this is connected to something bigger. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I do is just straight music writing. Right. And because I think, you know, there is an importance to it, but there's an importance to it to the end of, okay, how are you trying to inform people? Right. Are you just writing about the music or are you writing about where this comes from and what it's saying and why it's important? Because right. there, there is that other level, you know, like, yeah, I, I struggle with this a lot because, you know, the publication I work for AV club, like great people, you know, they, they've really fostered an environment for me to be able to write about what I want right. for the most part. But it, it's, it's hard to often be like, all right, guys, I want to, like, sometimes I want to write 2,000 words about why I suck is important. Right. But, like, no one's going to read that. Yeah. But I, I think that's an important thing to do. Totally. So it, it's it's always hard to kind of strike the balance for me of, like, I want to tell people about things and, and kind of struggling with working with a lot of people who aren't really into stuff. Right, because, you, yeah, it's like you're, you're, especially with what you're doing now, where it's like you're, you're, you're toes in both worlds, where you obviously, like, yeah, you're enthusiastic about this music, but then the AV club has, like, not only a, a quote-unquote bottom line, i.e., you know, eyeballs on their page, and, like, who's actually going to share this, and who's yeah. going to be meaningful, and you're like, like, the, this is going to interest, you know, less than 400 people. Like, yeah, you're yeah. like... In you're, the world. Right, and you're and like... So that's, like, two of our readers. Right. I, like, we have kind of the standing rule that, um, you know, our head, Josh Modell, has kind of set up because, you know, he was an old zine guy who run, ran Milk Magazine out of yeah. Milwaukee. You know, he was setting up shows. He, he's been a part of it. Right, and he gets he, it, right. And he's like, you know... We can't do it all the time, but like if we're passionate about something, like do it. Like if you're passionate about something, find the way to do it. Right. And, and that's really nice because like, you know, we, we do everything. We do television, we do film, we do books, we right. do video games. Like we're an all encompassing pop culture publication. Right. So, you know, there's only so much space, but like there are ways for like, you know, We've set up like a staff fix thing where it's like three people just like every week or like can write about like whatever. It doesn't even necessarily need to be pop culture. Like, sure, you know, like here's this cool thing I did or here's something I'm really into. And it's this place where you could kind of sound off. And, yeah. and that's really nice because it feels like, you know, you're getting a peek into what actually matters to the people. Mm-hmm. It's not just a byline. Right. You're actually maybe hopefully for the, for the diehard readers. <laughs> yeah. Getting... Getting a to know that more person. out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Is AV Club like your first quote unquote real job, so to speak? Mm, I would say it's my first real job writing. Right. Okay. Um, but I, I kind of glossed over it, so let's go back. Sure, this, sure. This podcast is gonna be boring. It's gonna be like this one dude talking, <laughs> giving oh, us oh. his resume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm internet. putting you on that spot, so it's okay. Yeah. Um. Well, so like, I mean, when I was. A, I got interested in writing and I would like just write for myself. Mm -hmm. Musically, I would write songs. I always wrote lyrics for whatever band I was in. Okay. There was a band I played drums in, but I wrote the lyrics for. Sure. And then it got to the point where like I started singing in that band too, just because I was always like, no, the melody should be this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had this specific idea. I don't know how to sing or play drums, but listen to me. Right. Right. Like that band, funny story. We had a shirt um, that was just my face (laughs) with crossed arms, giving the thumbs up. It was called the skull and cross Dave. And we didn't put the band name on it. Right. I was the drummer in the back, like singing or just like yelling every now and again. And somehow I was like the face of the band through right. our poor planning. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Perfect. That digression aside. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was always interested in writing. I would write kind of just like shorts, like even when I was a kid, like uh-huh. seven or eight years old, like I would like to play on the computer. Like sure. my mom had a computer big box thing. Yeah. I think it was a gateway. Right, <laughs> right, right. And, uh, 
all I wanted to do was just sit and write stories. Uh-huh. Like I should just pull up a word doc and I would just like go to town, write stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it was garbage. Sure. sure. Well, yeah, uh, of course, as it should be when you, but, uh, when you're in junior high school. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, as it went on in, when I was in high school, I kind of came to this crossroads of like, all right, like I love music. I love playing music. It's something I always want to do, but I don't think I'm good enough or really have it, have the capability to be like, this is going to be what it is. Yeah. Like I knew, I understood how hard that life would be. And like, even just the concept of writing, like I'm prolific and that I write a lot of songs, but I'll, I'll write a lot of songs, but still like workshop one for months. Sure. You know, like people aren't going to wait two and a half years to get the 10 songs I got. <laughs> right. You know, right, like right. it's a very niche thing and I'm into very niche stuff. So it's right. like, yeah, yeah, you're like, this is, this doesn't seem practical. Not right. only is the ceiling here, I put a drop ceiling in. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, I, I was realized like I like writing and I was like, this is how I can meld the two worlds. What I can do is just like approach music writing in the same way I approach music, which is not, Hey, I want to be, you know, the cool music writer. I don't want to be the lesser bangs. I don't, I'm not the story. Right. Usually. Sure. There are exceptions. Sure. Right. And I think there are times when firsthand accounts really do help something, Mm -hmm. but I want to show someone their next favorite band. Sure. You know, like I, I was thinking of it, like what was important to me at 12 years old? What was the thing that made me be like, what made me find out about bands? What made me check out hot water music for the first time? What made me, right. you know, continue down this rabbit hole. And I was like, it was people writing about something with excitement. It was people writing about something, not just like, Oh, this band's so cool. And yeah. Da-da-da. Let's see what big words I can put in. Yeah. Here. It yeah, was yeah. like reading stuff there in, in punk planet in, in other zines. And like, this is even a small thing, but like going to Reckless Records here in Chicago and they'd mm-hmm. have these little descriptions on it. Dude, those are, and, yeah. And yeah. they were the best because it was always like members of such and such playing this kind of music. Like, yep. if you like this, it's going to fucking rule. Or it'd be like, get totally. this, get this, get this. And exactly. I'd be like, oh, I got to get You're this. Like, like, well, like yeah. the store told me six that times. sticker says, yeah. yeah. There are yeah. 142 exclamation points on the sticker. Like, I need <laughs> right. to buy it. Right, right. And I was just like, holy shit, you can be excited about this thing uh-huh. and not be, and still be informed and knowledgeable. You can meld the two worlds. Right. And right. I was like, that's, that's what I wanted to do. So sure. I was like 16. I was like a sophomore in high school. I was like, I'm going to go to this school and study magazine journalism. And that's that so to get out of the writing stuff and in the like personal family dynamics for a minute. Like my mom and her side of the family are the most supportive, amazing people on the planet. Like sure. my mom, you know, single mother most of that time. Uh-huh. My grandpa, you know, worked in the steel mills. You know, we're we're factory salt, salt of the earth, right? Yeah, we're we're factory workers, and you know, uh, people who never went to college, right? Um, <laughs> and the best. <laughs> sure. My dad's side, on the other hand, he owned a funeral home. Okay. Um, and that was the family business. Funeral okay. homes, like that's what he wanted me to go into. That was the track he was trying to put me on. He was less enthused by me like getting into punk rock. Like would like Oh weird. I whoa. would never imagine a funeral home father being like, Oh Dave, I'm really into this fact that you're like skewing this this family business we already have set up. Yeah, you know, especially <laughs> because like funerals and, and death are very traditional, yes. so to speak. So like everyone goes through it. Yeah. Uh, every, everyone gets there eventually. Right. Um like he was holding like punk rock interventions as I call them, like sitting me down with like my stepmom and stepbrothers and being like, We need to talk about this. Ted Kennedy's record do you have? And I'm like, 
Wow. Like, and, and so that pushed me even harder. Like, oh, yeah. that's when I got it. I was like, I'm going to be into crust punk. I'm going to wear all black. <laughs> Fuck this. And uh, <laughs> still to this day, like, right. don't really have much in my color palette and still think crass is pretty cool. Um, right, right. It's my detriment. Uh, the point of all this being, when I made that decision, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to go to Columbia College in Chicago, study magazine journalism. And, and at the time, they had a very like forward thinking. You would take like mobile journalism, online journal, like all these things. like Different so, mediums, sure. Yeah, this was like 2008-ish, 2007-ish. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that's when that was starting to tip. Right, you totally. Know, like I studied magazine journalism and like did work and put out a magazine while I was there. Right. Um, but it was also like, how do you do a website? How do you do digital content? How do you use Twitter for a greater purpose? How do you, use, right. you know, in this idea of like, even if I don't necessarily use them, like certain apps, certain whatever, social networks, like understanding their importance. Right. Anyway, so like he was like, if you don't go to an Indiana State school for business, I'm not paying for college. Okay. And I said, no. Sure. And then immediately started working. Okay. Uh, like I worked for shop ever. So Indiana selling fireworks. Okay. Uh, nice. Best, last worst shop ever. Uh, after that, like I managed a music school. I was like 16 years old. Oh, okay. Um, and then after that I worked midnights in the Pepsi bottling plant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. While I was in school. Sure. So that was great. Yeah. <laughs> because I just like need money to go to college. Of I, course. My yeah. mom's family wasn't rich. Right. You know, they were so like, I got to do this myself. Right? Yeah. And so like, I still have a lot of debt, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. World is what it is. So, like, I started doing that. And then when I was just finished high school, was like looking for a job, I ended up working for the government for three and a half years. Oh, okay. The, my mom was like, hey, you should like look at this listing. You might be able to find something. Like, they're always looking for part time people. Mm-hmm. That way you could balance it around school. So, for a good three and a half, four years, I worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office for Northern District of Illinois uh-huh. under Pat Fitzgerald. And, like, you know, every criminal. Most civil cases uh, came across my desk in those three and a half years. Like, Interesting. You know, I, I spent a lot of time, and it was this weird thing because I was, it was nice that like I was making a whatever wage, going to school, sure, playing in like four bands at the time, right? But like I was, you know, working a job that I was working for the man, whatever. Totally. Still sitting like at my desk, listening to Converge and right, right. whatever. <laughs> right. The the best day ever was uh, I had this little like docking station for my Zune. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nice reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was like super fed up with everybody. Uh-huh. So I just played Slayer's Rain and Blood album 16 times because it's 28 minutes. So over the course of an eight-hour workday, you can fit, fit it in 16 times. Right. Play eight times in the morning. Once the lunch came back, play again. That's Boom. amazing. And like by the end, well, truly by the second time, was not feeling it myself. Yeah. But it was, it was a point of pride. Right. You're like, this, <laughs> we're, we're getting through this together because I'm subjecting you to this. Yeah. Right. And, and like my whole feeling is, you know, like people have given me shit like, oh, you work for the government. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, whatever, man. Like that allowed me to take time off work and like go on tour. Totally. And like go to shows and buy records and, and support the things I gave a shit about. Of so, course. You know, it gives you a more holistic perspective on the world at large. It's like, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you, you're getting a behind-the-scenes peek at a system that most people don't get to see, and therefore, like you are able to not only inform your opinion more about whatever that system is, rather than a person that's you know like never had any experience besides just like, oh yeah, man, that sucks. Like yeah, you're like well, where are you coming from? Well, and, and that's <laughs> the thing is like there's some shit like I saw that broke my spirit. Sure, you know, working these cases and I can imagine on them and like there's stuff. I I mean I can't 
legally discuss anything I dealt with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if if you look at historically what happened in Illinois mm-hmm. for those years with with a certain yeah. political figure, like yeah, no more than most. Well, yeah, and, she, and, and 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 that was hard because you know I I think at least I can I can stand behind mostly the, the branch I worked in because. It was a lot of, you know, we were, we were getting back money from people who defrauded people through, mm-hmm. you know, white collar crimes right, or, or right. taking advantage of people or or doing generally fucked up shit. Yeah, and yeah, Like yeah. that did make me feel kind of good. I'm not into, you know, I have a very warped perception of government. Right. But like at the time I was in college, so I was, I was doing a lot of, you know, straightforward journalism. Right. And I was working for a website that launched that. I was briefly managing editor of, and, and mm-hmm. I'm still very proud that exists because it's facilitated a lot of people to go on a great thing. It's called Popstash, which was oh, yeah, just yeah. a blog. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I was really in there from the jump. Sure. Um, got to work with some amazing people. One of those people, uh, I got a job at AV Club since, you know, like, and got it. I'm still, like, still hang out with a lot of those people. I'm sure. Very tight knit. But, you know, I was being like, oh, I need to take. 30, I need to take like a 30 minute like sneak away into this office so I can call Black Dahlia from the dwarves on the phone and interview him while I sit in the U.S. attorney's office. Right. Like it was a very strange <laughs> yeah. place to be. Totally. You know, like I interviewing Ted Leo from a fucking government building. Right, right. None of these people know that. No, of course not. It felt like this weird double life. Sure. You know? Yeah, you're like, I'm cheating on this to do this. Right, right, right. And, and whatever. It's it's one hand will wash the other. And like, sure. I acknowledge that it's weird, but whatever. It, it, it's an experience I got to have, and that's cool. But of course. During that, I did an internship at AV Club. Okay. And we still had local sites for AV Club Chicago. Sure. And got to do a good amount of writing for them, mm-hmm. um, interview folks, go to shows. And then pretty much immediately after, started freelancing there in a smaller capacity doing podcast stuff sure for them it's always interesting watching like the you know evolution of like music journalism to where it's like you know obviously like the people that get paid the most attention to are people that like either have a distinct voice or character or whatever where it's like you know they they themselves become like you were talking about earlier where it's like they become like the writer becomes more important than what it is they're actually writing about, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, the, there is totally a merit to that. Totally. You know, I mean, that's storytelling. Yeah. That's how you even arc. And I do think a lot of times it, it is important to give people, all right, like how do you actually relate to this? Like I've written several times about, you know, these bands, your, your Howard Music, Echo and Trio's bands I'm going to bring up a lot. Right. Like, because, you know, they, they hit me really young. Right. Had a, like were there for... You know, were oftentimes the things I was listening to through some of the most traumatic parts of my life right. growing up, and um, writing about you know getting older with that. You know, people need to know that I got have an alkaline trio tattoo I got when I was sixteen, fifteen years old. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 like done really poorly and whatever, and like writing about something meaning something to you then, meaning something to you now, and not being ashamed of the fact that you're carrying this thing with you on your body because it's always going to be there. Totally. It, it informed me even if I don't listen to certain records anymore. Right. You know, and uh, I, I think there's, you know, there are writers I love to read because they're great writers. Right. There are writers I love to read because they have experience. Right. And then there are writers I love to read just because they're covering subject matter I talk about. I feel like yeah, it's true. there's so many different ways it can go. And I just hope to be, 
an iota of one of them for anyone. Right. And I want to, you know, keep getting better. It's never something I'm complacent in. Like I'll read stuff and, and like I will the simplest thing. I'll be mm-hmm. like, shit, I don't like where the comma sits in this sentence. Yeah, yeah, like something yeah. people aren't really thinking about. Right. I'm it's like, like it's it's gonna be irrelevant to most people. Sometimes sure. like if it's a news thing, I'll just kind of try and, you know, bust it out pretty quick. Right. Anytime I, I pitch a long form thing, yeah. I usually do it months in advance. Sure. And then spend months like writing seven or eight drafts oh, that are imagine. all completely different. Right. You're like, how is how is this how is this beast going to uh form itself? Yeah. Like I can talk about I'll talk about this one now because I'm in in the final stages. Leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm working on a big thing about Weezer. Uh-huh. Because it was you know, they're putting on a new record. It's the first one with Rick Ocasek producing, yada, 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 bullet right. point, talking point, and and to me, Weezer, like those first two records are, are pretty infallible. Like Blue yeah. Album, Pinkerton are great. Totally. And what they did and, and really not totally unique, but with with the image they were projecting and with with kind of the to me it was really the first time in the song mm-hmm. a band that popular was kind of like winking at the audience. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like singing about going to the Green Day concert. She never heard of them. It's nineteen ninety six. Everyone's after Green Day. Like that's the wink, that's the nod, that's the joke. Sure. You know, they're they're giving you punchlines here that people are taking a little too seriously. Right. right. Um but uh, essentially the premise I wrote is because, you know, everyone it's like the past decade of Weezer, maybe more, hasn't right. been good. Right. My theory is that we can't really fault Weezer. We all should have seen this coming. Sure. Because even on those early records, Blue, like I mentioned, the line from El Scorcho, right. he was referencing pop culture. He totally. was referencing the biggest, most ubiquitous parts of pop culture, too. Right. He wasn't singing about, like, I was reading issue 34 of whatever. Like, he right. was... Singing about X-Men comics and Kiss and Dungeons and Dragons in Green Day. Totally. He was going for the middle. Yeah, stuff that is like immediately relatable to basically everybody. Yeah. Right. And they were, you know, labeled as nerds, obviously. That was their aesthetic. Exactly. But even on Blue Album, it's like before you even get to In the Garage, there's the song about surfing. Right. Which is like not let's take away from surf culture. Right. Which, you know, can be very rich and vibrant. Right. Uh very jocular minded oh yeah so like they were always kind of going for everybody sure we, we can't ignore that right so as the culture changed as new things became popular you know because they weren't the nerds like being like oh come to our side they were peeking behind the curtain like when can we come out and everyone loves us oh totally as pop culture changed so did the band there sure were the, the things they were referencing the things they were trying to achieve changed right so it's not really their fault i mean it, it's that's how they chose to operate. Right. But like, we can't be as mad as some people are about it because right. it was there from right. The, the writing jump. was on the wall. Sure. Exactly. So, but that's a hard thing to express. Sure. That's a hard thing to express and, and like not come off like you like Weezer. Well, you're a fucking idiot. Right. right. <laughs> Cause yeah, you're like, I want, you're like, I want to be respectful about the way that I'm presenting things, but not, not to the point of where it's like, you know, you, you're, you're not going to be like pandering just because you're like, Oh, this like, this piece is going to, like, I'm writing this specifically to bump people out. Well, th- that's the thing I always struggle with is because most websites, not all. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and, like, you know, you can count AV Club as one of them. Sometimes, you know, we really do take the piss out of something. Of course. And that's fine. That is very difficult for me to do. Yeah. Um, I, I feel more comfortable taking the piss out of something I love because 
people know I love it. Right. Like I can make fun. Yeah. You're like, I feel comfortable with this because like I hold such a reverence to this. Because like I'm, I'm the person in the office who like will, you know, people will be like, oh, what band t-shirt is that? I'm like, oh, some dumb whatever. Yeah. You know, like I don't think the stuff I like while it's awesome and I love it and I think it's important. Sometimes it's really dumb. Yeah, of course. I love Judd Judd. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. much. Right. So much. Right. I, I love Adam and his package. I love right. Leslie Willis. Like these are things that I hold dear. Right. But are dumb. Of course. And you could you could not reasonably explain that to a person where it's like, oh, oh yeah, it's two guys from from a grind band doing guitar sounds with their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> me genius right. one of my best friends who lives in Cincinnati hi Mark I waved at a microphone what's wrong with me uh, <laughs> I, uh, we were a couple of years ago talking about like we should do an acapella dubstep band called Wub Wub oh. and just left Wub or right Wub perfect um, but uh, I feel like that trends past um, yeah yeah we are lazy if nothing else but the point <laughs> I'm getting at is like these are people who are like listening to you know a lot of my coworkers like listening to like ambient experimental soundscapes which i do like yeah, 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 I, yeah i think a lot of people think i am the punk rock kid right because i am because you are right right but also like i'm the punk rock kid who like knows all the lyrics to wu-tang records and has seen bruce springsteen four times and right. like yeah it's like it, yeah. earth among his favorite bands right 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 it's like yeah you can firmly plant your flag within the, the this particular scene because that's what you've grown up with but like obviously there are uh, you know, many different stripes on that proverbial flag where it's just like, well, yeah, like this is, this is the flagpole. Yeah. But I've added a lot of different colors to this. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And like, still, like I rep those fucking, you know, punk and hardcore bands so hard. Like, the, yeah. If I had my way, like all I would write about is shit like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, um, I've, I wear a tenement shirt to work all the time. And my boss, Josh, just was that, he's like, who's that? And I always say I'm like the greatest rock band in America right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I believe that. I believe right. they, them to be the greatest American rock band currently. Currently existing, sure. And I'm not afraid to make that statement because I believe it. Right. You know, but to them, it's like, whatever. It's a band from Appleton, Wisconsin, and plays 200 people in the basement. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. they're the greatest rock band. And like, I could go for days. <laughs> so like, I, I, I work both sides of the coin, and it's not with like, trying to be cool there, there's a lot of stuff that is cool that i don't particularly care for sure and that's fine right but i'm not gonna shit on something unless like like to me i feel like i can shit on something if i'm shit on myself too yeah i'm yeah, way yeah. more comfortable with that like because i like stuff that some people label as childish or, or kid shit or stuff i should have grown out of which yeah. i will never do no i hope never to right um you know I, I i think that's dismissive i think that's too easy and yep you know, because I'm on the low end, like it, anytime if I if I tried to like, you know, chip at the top pillar, right? Everyone, the boulders are just gonna fall down. Everyone's gonna shit on me. So like, I don't mind if people talk shit about me or my work or right. what I like and what I don't like. My general thing is, I know me better. I can do it better. Sure, try me. Right. Um, and usually you lose. Right. Uh, <laughs> because. <laughs> Uh, like anytime a commenter shits on me on AV Club, like I upvote their comments and I'm like, that's cool. Like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't care. It's fine. Well, yeah. Well, of course, because it's like you, I mean, ultimately the, uh, you know, the reason that you should write is obviously like to provoke a reaction and not like to provoke a reaction, like, like you were saying to like bum people out, but it's like the ultimately y you want a response. Yeah. 
Well, and, and I'm not afraid to say things that are, are controversial. Right. When I was at Popstaff, like one of the first things I wrote was this giant thing about how, one, it was it was around the time 808s and Heartbreak came out. Okay, yeah. One, I can't stand Kanye West. Sure. Like, I don't know him personally. Right. I had friends who kind of did because of like studio stuff. Sure. And and like, I never cared for his stuff that much back in the day. And I think he, I, he's just overblown and boring. Sure. Like, I think he's, he's aping what underground hip hop has always done, but about two years too late. Sure. Uh, and I fucking hate autotune. Right. And when 808s and Heartbreak came out, I was like, yeah, I like, was like, why is everyone saying this is like this emotional, like, oh, the distance and fuck you, man. Yeah. Like there's so much other emotional music going on. Like, listen to it. Sure. This was a, a technology developed for wailing. Right. And then adapted to music. What good has ever come from <laughs> wailing, you motherfucker? Like right, not right. this either. So like I got real yeah. uptight and like angry about it as I just did. Right. But like, and people went all over me and I was like, I don't care. Right. I really don't care. Yeah. You're like, and I'm putting this out here. Like right. uh, this, this year at Pitchfork, Beck performed. Right. I don't care for Beck. Sure. I, I respect him as an artist. Right. But I've never cared for any of his records. And someone's like, oh, why don't you like Beck? I'm like, he's the Fabergé egg of music. Right. Like, that's how I feel about that dude. Like, puts on a show. It's all glitter. It's all flash. But, like, w- when you crack into it, it's like, oh, he's just kind of, like, putting on clothes. Right. Putting on sounds. You don't feel like there's a substance behind it. Not sure, interesting sure. to me. And, right. And, right. like, it, I've been so loud about, you know, loving loud music. Right. Uh, <laughs> That was so bad. Uh, but, like, because I feel in the past five years, indie rock has gone into this, like, soft rock world. Oh, yeah. Like, I was never really into Boney Bear. And if I wanted that style of stuff, I'd just listen to Owen. You know? Sure, like, somebody sure. who's doing something really similar years before and I, I think better and, and more musically inclined. And, like, that sure. blew up. And now it's, like, the big thing is everyone has to fucking sound like it's a disco band, like Arcade Fire and shit. Sure. You know? None. There are great bands in that style. I adore the National. Right. Like, for every indie band I don't like, there's another one I love. Of course. So, right. like, th- that's the nature of this piece. Yeah, there's a, there's a balance within but, that. But uh, you get what I'm saying. Like, I'm not afraid to be like, I don't like Radiohead. Fuck it. Like, everyone. Right. In my office, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most, Everybody. Most humans that are breathing are like, oh, yeah, I like Radiohead. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, not interested. Like, right. I can give you this bullet point list, and I'm always willing to have that people shoot on me for it it's fine right but i'm never gonna unless it's provoked i'm never yeah. gonna be like well radiohead the world's worst fucking band right like, i'm never gonna say that's that. not gonna be your 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 identity yeah <laughs> and, and some people are more comfortable and do those kind of things and good on them like right i'm not saying i'm better i'm not saying they are worse i'm saying yeah. we're all equal we just do it in different ways right and, this uh, this is just this is just an opinion that you know, is, is counter to most people, but, and again, it's not the, you know, the sort of reactionary journalism of just like, yeah, it's like, you know, clickbait. It's like, you're not, that's not. Yeah. And and it's just, it's nice because like, you know, we're doing this over Riot Fest weekend. I've gotten to meet a lot of people who I correspond with constantly, yourself included. Um, Dan from Noisy, who's a great guy, but you know, in Chicago, like it's nice because a lot of the people, even if they're at like weeklies, you know, mm-hmm. but do online sites like the reader, like Leor from the reader is a great dude. He's at every show. He's so knowledgeable. Yeah. Like a lot of these people are on the ground going to shows, finding stuff, you know, they, doing the work. Yeah. They may yeah. be writing about these big sweeping bands and giving them features, but that doesn't mean they're not in the basement that same night. Yeah. You know? And, and I think, 
I never try and be like, I'm from the AV club because who cares, man? Right, right, I'm right. A dude You're who, like, I'm just an out. This is just an out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, I am, I am who I am and I hope that I add something to the publication. I hope that I add something when I'm on this podcast and I hope I don't, you know, make people feel bad for liking things, you know? Right. It, like you could look to your right and in this like smattering of living room records I have, yeah. which are like the ones I feel are more appropriate for people to just kind of put on. <laughs> right. There's like TLC and Taylor Swift and, and right. Cindy Lauper. Right. You know, Cindy's Cindy Lauper's first record, I think is one of the most underrated pop records of the eighties. Right. You know? Right. Right. What other fucking punk rocker is going to say that to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately it's like, that's what, uh, to me, that was what was always exciting about like writing and obviously uncovering layers of music is because ultimately when you do, I feel a lot of people get in their lanes, so to speak, and then they become so myopic where they're either, I wouldn't even say they themselves are like afraid to listen to other things, but it's like obviously the devotion that we both have given to music, like that takes effort. Yeah. Like, we, we continually either I mean, it sounds stupid to say where it's like, you know, push ourselves to listen to new music or whatever, but it's like, it does like, you know, the sort of correspondence I get from people that listen to this podcast where they're like, dude, this is great because like, you know, I've got whatever. It's like I have five kids or like I'm working an overnight job and like I'm doing all these things that are barriers for me to get into stuff or like understand things. Um, And so it's like this, this this concept of being able to put the effort in and it's like not everybody has the ability to do that so it's like that's why writing and different formats for people to consume like is ultimately important yeah and i'd like to think you know i'm not saying i'm important but i'm saying it is important a lot of people and a lot of artists even shit on music press and i absolutely get it totally you know like a lot of interviews they have to do are press junkety and a lot of times like admittedly it's like People are just are places are just writing about things because they they need to it's the content based. they need they yeah, need yeah, yeah. it yeah yeah and I get that so I understand why there is this kind of you know why it is a little derided and and why people will shit on it but totally. I I do believe anyone who's decided like I'm gonna write about music for a living I'm gonna make thirty thousand dollars a year at best yeah and, and if I'm freelancing just hope to God I can make rent every month totally they aren't doing it because they think they know better. Right. They're doing it because like they care about this thing and they care about whatever it is we're doing. Yeah. You know, and I'd like to think that somehow I fit in that void and I I like being challenged. When I was at Pop Stash, I was routinely like, they knew what I liked, but they didn't want me to just be the punk guy. And I, that was really good for me. Of course. Like learning how to write about other stuff, learning how to write about a mountains record, which is just, you know, ambient, glitchy yeah. electronics, which is great. Right, like, right, it's right. awesome. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, it goes back like what I was saying, like where I diverted myself. Where it's like, yeah, people feel like they have to like stay in their lanes, and it's yeah. like when they don't, um, when they don't challenge themselves. Like, of course, there's the stuff that's always like you know, comfort food or nostalgic, whatever. Absolutely. But when you do, when you do start to open yourselves up to different things and start to experiment with that like you'd be surprised and like yeah as like you're saying as a critic where it's like when you write about stuff that is so just just out of your realm you do understand you're like well at least i understand that more i get where that either music scene or that person is like coming from whether or not i agree or agree or will it'll have a lasting impact on me that doesn't matter it just i have a, a a more broader perspective on it yeah well and like that's my thing is a lot of times they'll be like Oh, every uh, you know music writer is just a failed musician, and like I am 
proof in that pudding, but I right. don't think that discredits me. It's not like I'm bitter. No. Like I, I would just say that adds to my experience. Like I'm still in a band. Right. Like, I am still practicing once or twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like with these songs I wrote with some of my best friends and like, I'm really proud of what we have and I'm right. really proud about, of what we're about to record and put out. I don't expect anyone to give a shit. Right. Like I do not expect a single person in the world to, to care. Right. I'm doing it for me. I'm writing for me. Yeah. I just happen to have a better outlet. Of course. It's like if somehow I ran a record label and then started a band, I could just put out the record. Right. You know, I'm not going to write about my own band and I'm <laughs> not going to like pitch it to other people to be like, hey, you should write about my band that put out a cassette tape. Right. You know, um, maybe, maybe I'll find a way to cover you on AV Club. Right? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the worst thing, too, is like I I fucking hate that kind of thing where yeah. like, I hate the checks and balances system. Like mm-hmm. if someone asks me to do something and I like it, I'll do it. Right. I can't always say yes though. No. And that's hard. There's only so much space. There's only so much time. Right. It's, it's a difficult thing, but yeah, you know, like I never want anyone to feel like they owe me anything. Like I'm going to, we're going to put out this thing. We're going to do a record <laughs> right. and like, I'm going to shoot it to friends. If someone does want to put it out, cool. Right. If not, also fine. Yeah. That's like fine. we'll do right. it ourselves. We'll figure it out. Cause like we believe in what we're doing. Right. But I, I don't think that this credits me. And I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people do want to take the shit out of music writers. And that's fine. Like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. do it ourselves pretty well, too. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I, I, I do think it's important. And I just do think it's important to do it with people who like, or, or you know, it, it's nice when people are on the level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hope more and more that people understand, you know, we aren't all knowing. We aren't, my opinion is not, you know, law. Right. I wrote about it as I, th- feel and even if i gave it a negative review i still want you to check it out totally like i'm not writing like this is the worst piece of garbage it's like oh this part was really cool i wish they would have explored that more or sure sure or if it's something great like i'm gonna be like this is important of course listen to this yeah yeah, yeah. like you're like it should be stuff like that is is a starting point that should be like the entry point to where you can take it like that's that should you know you're you're setting the table you'll You'll figure out from here. Yeah, for sure. And then I hope that's what people do. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, here's hoping people have listened to this whole thing and are like, not like this guy's an asshole and boring. <laughs> oh. No, no, no. Because I just, th- I, yeah, like I said, I just think it's such a, um, you know, journalism in general is such a, you know, interesting beast. And then obviously, music journalism is is you know a, a, a side tangent to the journalism world in general. And I, like you said, it's like I do think a lot of it gets so. Um, either mucked up or discredited because it is, it's like you, you know, you really worry that the people that get into it and then they immediately run into any sort of walls, like they do become yeah. that bitter person. One, it's the thing is, it's a fluid industry covering another fluid industry. It's true. Both are changing so drastically at this time and yeah, yeah. have been over the past five to 10 years and will continue to that the manner in which journalism operates, yeah, the manner in which content is disseminated. Sure. It's going to change. Yep. It's going to continue to change forever. Right. The What's hot in music, how music's getting out there, how people consume it, you know, what's popular, what venues exist, what infrastructure exists right. has been changing and will continue to change. Right. So it, it's just this weird cross section where for a long time, you know, both were pretty stable. Yeah. You know, they had infrastructure. There were big labels. There were big newspapers. Right. That was really the games in town. Sure. You knew where to plug things into, right? Now, you know, I'm very happy about it. Like, I got into journalism at a time where I felt it was the most exciting. Mm -hmm. I was not really 
excited by a lot of what was happening necessarily in major journalism outlets like covering news and, sure. and topics and i wasn't super excited by a lot of what was happening in the music journalism world right and i i wouldn't say you know oh i get it but it was just like now is the time i can insert myself now is the time i can insert my voice and and maybe find a way to make it what i think it could be and should yeah. be yeah and yeah, yeah. uh i feel very lucky about that at the end of the day no for sure it's so super, it's exciting well, thank you for sharing your uh, your not only your background, but obviously laying the landscape of of, of journalism and music, music criticism in general. It's, <laughs> it's something that I think, yeah, like I said, it, it not a lot of people discuss in you know podcast form. Well, thanks for having <laughs> me, man. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> no problem, dude. So that was the discussion with Dave. I hope you have enjoyed this bonus piece of content for you to shove in your ear holes. And uh, yeah, thanks to Dave for for chopping it up with me. And I hope that you uh, you know you now maybe have a better idea of how the uh, journalistic landscape works. So until uh, probably a few days now, I won't even say until next week. Be safe, everybody. No need. Just be safe, okay? Until a few days from now, when you'll hear from me again. <laughs> Bye.